Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is October 16th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we have some interesting news regarding Le'Veon Bell. He signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. There was a lot of speculation he could go to the Dolphins. That will be discussed to start today's episode. And then after that, we're going to be going over my preview of the game between the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. But first, we will begin with the former Jets running back Le'Veon Bell. And to just kind of summarize Le'Veon Bell's career, uh, we all know how good he was back in Pittsburgh. He was at an elite status probably a top one or two or three running back in the NFL during his tenure with Pittsburgh. Through that time, he was a second-team All-Pro in 2016, a two-time first-team All-Pro in 2014 and 2017, and he was a three-time Pro Bowler. The Pittsburgh Steelers, as I said on the Dolphins Talk podcast, are a team that have been tremendous at putting running backs in good positions. So that kind of maximized Le'Veon Bell's output and performance. He is a very much a talented guy, but when you're on the Pittsburgh Steelers, as we saw with D'Angelo Williams in his absence, or James Conner when he took over for Bell, or Jalen Samuel, they all seem to do well in both facets of the game, in running the ball and in receiving out of the backfield. So after some off-the-field drama and a holdout, he ended up going to the New York Jets, and like everything else that happens with the New York Jets, his performance began to diminish greatly, and then he ended up getting released by the Jets a few days ago and now he is a member of the Kansas City Chiefs on a one-year deal. The details are still not out as of this recording. So of course this is a tremendous benefit to the Kansas City Chiefs and for Le'Veon Bell. He goes to a system in the Kansas City Chiefs where Andy Reid is just spectacular at utilizing running backs in both the running game and the passing game. If you look at what Kareem Hunt was doing, if you think back about what uh, guys like Spencer Ware when Kareem Hunt wasn't there, if you think back at guys like Damian Williams or Char Kendrick West at times. All of them have very good production. The Chiefs this year drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who by no means I think is a disappointment, but everything I've seen and things I've heard uh, kind of suggests that the Chiefs were a little bit disappointed in his ability to run in between the tackles and his ability near the goal line. So they bring in Le'Veon Bell and that will just about fix that issue entirely. Le'Veon Bell still a very dynamic and productive back, I believe. I don't think he is the guy who is still in his prime, but nonetheless, a very good addition for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, how this pertains to the Dolphins, leading up to this move, everybody was suggesting that the Dolphins had a legitimate chance. It came down to just the Dolphins and the Chiefs per reports, and it was a battle between those two. And Adam Beasley was even reporting that the Dolphins were willing to do a two-year deal to increase the possibility of bringing in Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell has a house in Miami. He works out here all the time and some were thinking that could help Miami land him. It came down to them too. It ended up being the Kansas City Chiefs. Now of course Le'Veon Bell as I said still a very good back. It would be a very cheap deal presumably so I, I understand and I even then I would not be mad if the Dolphins were to get Le'Veon Bell. I was kind of on the side of arguing against it and I will discuss that why right now and and in large part, it's because 
I don't like that the Dolphins are always a team that reacts to the high production too late. That you see a guy hit his peak and by the time the Dolphins make a move for him, that is clearly in the past. So Le'Veon Bell, you know, best case scenario, he is still at his peak. Realistically, he is probably a little bit below what he was in Pittsburgh. And then worst case scenario for him, he is not even the same guy. But to me, there is very little chance that Le'Veon Bell is somehow going to be even better than he was in Pittsburgh. And I think it's time right now for the Dolphins to be the ones who are getting the guys as they are hitting their peak. Not the ones who react too late, who overpay, who are trying to, you know, on a prayer, get somebody who can somehow put up and match their performances from a few years ago. I don't want the Dolphins to continue to be that team, signing the guys like the Mike Wallaces, the Indomitian Sues. I want the Dolphins now to be the guys who are developing players and having guys on their own roster, either through the draft or, uh, you know, signing free agents who are cheap and haven't hit their peak yet and are still young and develop and blossom into something, I would much rather prefer them go that route. And of course, a running back position is one that you know, highly utilizes young players who are fresh out of college. You can always depend on finding guys in the draft and uh, even in the later rounds, find some talent. I just don't know if the Dolphins should be committing to a guy that they know has more than likely already passed his peak. Whether it's still close to it or not is still left to be seen. But nonetheless, I think the Dolphins need to be the one who are uncovering these gems or developing guys into star players. Now, I tweeted a stat here and I said Le'Veon Bell stats in 2019. He has seven 789 yards last year, 3.2 yards per carry, three touchdowns, 461 yards. You compare that to Miles Gaskin, what he is on pace for this season, 796 yards rushing. Le'Veon Bell, for a comparison, like I said, 789. Miles Gaskin is averaging 3.9. Bell last year was 3.2. Uh, Gaskin's on pace for three touchdowns. Bell had three as well. And then Gaskin is on pace for 470 yards receiving. Le'Veon Bell had 461. And I want to say why I tweeted this. I didn't tweet it to suggest that Miles Gaskin is on the same level as Le'Veon Bell or he will somehow be on that same level. I tweeted this because people can look at those stats that Le'Veon Bell put up last year and they can determine, they can recognize that Le'Veon Bell is still a very good player, but there were outside factors that diminished and hindered his performance, that the offensive line wasn't good that the quarterback situation wasn't good, the scheme wasn't benefiting him. Yet people look at Miles Gaskin and what he has done this season and somehow say that he is the problem and that he needed to be replaced. But to me, there has been no point this season where I have seen something from Miles Gaskin that has led to me being disappointed or wanting him to be replaced. Sure, maybe he hasn't shown anything that would suggest he could be a true, you know, top back in the NFL, but he has been solid nonetheless. And I think people who have been pointing to him for some reason saying that he is the problem of the running back situation. I think they're truly missing the point. I mean, Jordan Howard has been a huge issue for the Dolphins. The Dolphins have gone up against the Bills, the Patriots, the Seahawks, the 49ers, all great teams against the run, and they haven't looked terrible at any point. I think people are kind of overblowing how bad the running situation has been. Uh, you know, you have two rookies on that offensive line. Uh, you have two guys who are in their first season with the team. And I don't think there's anything to suggest that Le'Veon Bell would have drastically somehow put the Dolphins at the top of the league at the running back position. And again, I understand getting him at a bargain price. You know, I'm all for that, but I'm not for the opposite end of the argument saying that the 
Dolphins running game is somehow miserable. I don't think it is. And if there's anybody to point at, I think it's Jordan Howard. If you remove him from the equation, I have been completely fine with what I've seen from Gaskin and Matt Breida. Now that will end my rant there, but we'll go into my preview of the game between the Jets and the Dolphins. The Dolphins are two and three. They'll be facing off against the New York Jets who are 0 and five. This game will be at Hard Rock Stadium this Sunday. The Dolphins are coming off of what was a dominating win last week against the San Francisco 49ers. And the Jets on the other hand, you know, they look like they barely know how to play football at this point. The Dolphins come into this game as eight point favorites, the most since 2016. So let's get right into it. The Jets are worse than terrible right now. As somebody who has watched the Dolphins for years, especially the beginning of last season, trust me, I know what bad football can look like. The difference is, though, last year the Dolphins were beginning a rebuild. They had made it really well known that their peak performances would be coming down further down the road in the future. The Jets, on the other hand, had a coaching staff that needed to be competitive this season. They needed to be good, and instead, they are the worst team in the NFL, in large part courtesy of Adam Gase. So we'll begin by taking a look at the Dolphins. So for the offensive side of the ball, they are 20th in total yards per game. In passing, they are 15th and in rushing, they are 21st. The Dolphins offense finally looked aggressive last week. Fitzpatrick had his best day of the season. He threw for 350 yards, three touchdowns. He had two plays of over 40 plus yards. After four weeks of what was a very conservative vanilla offense, it really was a pleasant surprise to see the Dolphins take a few more chances in this game. Now, as a reminder here, you know, I don't get any joy out of saying this, but Fitzpatrick, he is one of the streakier quarterbacks in NFL history. It would not be unprecedented for him to follow up what was a monster performance with a big letdown in the following game. But again, the likelihood of that happening against the Jets is really not that high. The Dolphins, as for their running game, it has been a point of moderate criticism, I would say, recently. The team, as of right now, is 24 first in rushing yards per game, and they are averaging 3.7 yards per carry. And this has kind of led to some suggesting the Dolphins should have gone for Le'Veon Bell, who was recently signed by the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, a few things to discuss here really quick. Jordan Howard has been terrible this season. His inefficiency greatly skews the team stats. He has 18 carries for 14 yards. If you remove his carries and yards, the team's yards per carry goes from 3.7 to 4.2. And I also think Gaskin has been surprisingly good in each of these games. There hasn't been a moment this season, I talked about it earlier, where I have been disappointed in Miles Gaskin. He is averaging 17 touches per game, an average of 79 total yards per game. And while he hasn't been an absolute game changer at the position, I've never viewed him as part of the problem. If we look at Matt Breida, he is also starting to find a nice little rhythm here. With each week that passes, he shows more and more flashes of a potential home run ability that he brings and really it's only a matter of time until he breaks off several huge runs and just a reminder he plays the Jets this week. Now Devontae Parker still leads the team in receiving yards and in targets. Last week he came down with his second touchdown of the season. He has 329 yards so far this year and that is putting him on pace for 1,053 for the season. Preston Williams he finally showed his face again. He had a career high 106 yards and a touchdown last week. He took advantage of a depleted 49ers secondary and connected with
connected with Fitzpatrick on several big plays. Fitzpatrick said that the growing trust between him and Preston Williams is huge. He said, quote, that was a huge play, but it was also a huge play for my confidence in Preston. For him to make a play, the right read and right decision, it goes a long way in building your confidence in guys, close quote. Now, we take a look at Mike Gesicki here. He also bounced back last week, a huge 91-yard receiving game, including a huge 70-yard reception. As of right now, he is third among tight ends in receiving yards for the season, only behind Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. Now, the offensive line took a hit last week when they lost Austin Jackson, the left tackle. The team elected to move Jesse Davis to left tackle in place of him, and they started rookie Robert Hunt at right tackle. Now, the unit wasn't perfect, but it continues to, I think, hold their own against tough defensive lines every week. Hunt had some good moments last week, but he also had some pretty bad ones that he could learn from. But that is, again, expected from a rookie in his first game. Overall, though, I think a game against a weak Jets front should help him adjust to the professional level. Now, if we take a look at the Dolphins' defense, they are 18th in total yards allowed. They are 21st in passing yards allowed, and in rushing, they are 20th. The defense finally had a game where they looked like they completely overpowered their opponent. Early on, the defense had been a weak point of this team, but they will be looking to crush that narrative once and for all and build off of that solid game against San Francisco last week. Last week's game, again, to me, appeared to be a product of really solid pressure on the quarterback throughout the game, whether it was Garoppolo, whether it was C.J. Beathard, they just looked uncomfortable, and the Dolphins were causing disruption frequently over there in the backfield. Now, it may be a little bit harder this week with defensive tackle Devon Godshaw out after suffering a bicep injury. He will miss several months, and it will likely lead to more snaps for Zach Sealer and Raekwon Davis. If we take a look, Sealer has been a hidden gem for this team so far. He's bringing this high energy to the defense and really making his presence known. He had several big plays last week, including a sack where he made all-pro tackle Trent Williams just look like a rookie. Now, Davis, on the other hand, uh, he's a rookie who's still relatively raw. There will be more than likely some hiccups for him throughout the season, but getting him these snaps early on could be beneficial for his development. Now, linebacker Kyle Van Noy was listed as a non-participant in practice earlier this week with a groin injury. Now, luckily, he practiced in limited fashion, so there is a pretty decent chance he plays in this game. It should go without saying, though, that this would be a tremendous loss for the team. Kyle Van Noy has been one of the better linebackers on the team, if not the best one. His versatility at attacking the edge while also being able to drop back in coverage is extremely valuable to this team. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, he continues to get more and more playing time. Pro Football Focus, this is kind of crazy, it currently has him ranked as the seventh edge rusher in the entire NFL. That's just absolutely crazy. Van Ginkle was impressive last week at stopping the run, and he also laid what was a vicious blindside hit to Garoppolo, which knocked the ball loose, and he continues to look pretty good. Now, for Alandon Roberts, I've been pretty disappointed with Roberts' performance all season. Last week, though, he finally had some more uh, positive plays when it came to applying pressure on the quarterback on pass plays, but 
he still continues to be a non-factor when it comes to stopping the run or in coverage. Uh, the secondary, uh, it took a beating, as we all know, while Byron Jones missed time with his groin injury. Noah Igbenogany was matched up against Stephon Diggs and David Moore, and he was exposed in both of those. DK Metcalf had a field day on Xavier Howard. The defense with Byron Jones out was getting absolutely torched. Now, luckily, Byron Jones last week, he returned to action against the 49ers, and the difference was noticeable. No receiver for the 49ers had more than 44 yards. George Kittle, he was rendered a non-factor and held to only four catches in large part by Eric Rowe. They capitalized on these rush decisions by Garoppolo and they came away with two interceptions in the first half. Howard, once again, leads the NFL in interceptions with three. Now, if the Dolphins' defense can match the quality of last week's game every single game, they can take a massive leap from one of the worst defenses in the league to one that might be criminally overlooked in this league. Now, we'll take a look at the New York Jets. The New York Jets in total offense is 31st. In passing, they are 32nd, and in rushing, they are 22nd. The 2018 Adam Gase-led Miami Dolphins offense, as you guys may remember, was painfully unoriginal and inefficient. I will never forget people attacking me or anybody else who criticized the atrocity of that offense in the preseason, only for the team to look identical when the regular season came around. Now, if you remember back to that, picture that offense and somehow make it even worse. That's the 2020 Adam Gase-led Jets offense. Sam Darnold will miss this week's game with a shoulder injury. Joe Flacco, who is not elite, will start in his place. Based on how the Jets looked with Sam Darnold and Flacco's pretty good history against Miami, I'm actually more worried now that Sam Darnold is not playing. The Jets' running game will now be carried by legend Frank Gore, LaMichael P. Ryan, and Ty Johnson. Now, Gore is obviously not in his prime, but he is still surprisingly effective at the age of 37, and I will never talk badly about the legend that is Frank Gore. Now, Gore is also from Miami. I'm sure he will be striving to put on a show for his hometown. The Jets receiver group here is led by Jamison Crowder, who has 335 yards on the season. Crowder is one of the more underrated receivers, I would say, in this league. He possesses a terrific after-the-catch ability, but nonetheless, if you have Jamison Crowder being the primary target for your team, that says a lot about the quality of your receiver group. Now, some of the other receivers here, the Jets acquired Brashad Perriman in the offseason. He could be making a return this week. Perriman was incredible in the final four games of last season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In those games, he had a total of 419 yards in five touchdowns. Again, that was in a four-game span. Perriman is six foot one. He ran a 40-yard dash of 4.25 in 2015. He possesses a unique skill as a deep threat, but Gase and his system is really reluctant to attack the deep part of the field. Gase's system isn't really known uh, for taking a lot of these chances. And then rookie Denzel Mims, who also returned to practice, uh, might be playing, but Gase could not confirm whether or not he would be playing this week. The offensive line for the Jets has also been taking a beating with injuries. First round pick Makai Becton suffered a shoulder injury and he looked visibly uncomfortable in that week four matchup versus Denver. He did not practice this week and Gase said his status 
Davis is also up in the air. Now, if we take a look at the defensive team stats for the New York Jets, in total yards allowed, they are 25th. In passing yards allowed, they are also 25th. And in rushing, they are 22nd. So defensively, it's not much better for the Jets. They were a team that their defensive side of the ball was actually kind of decent last year, but now that is not the case at all. Cornerback Pierre Desir is tied for the league high in interceptions with three. He had two picks in the week four game via Brett Rippon, including a nice pick six, but before that happened, he was targeted all night and gave up two touchdowns and got absolutely mossed by Jerry Judy, and I think that pretty much sums up the Jets' season. Defensive tackle Quinnen Williams is finally starting to become who the Jets thought he would be. He is causing a lot of disruption, and he is getting back there. He has been efficient in both stopping the run and in getting some sacks and applying pressure on the quarterback. He has four and a half tackles for losses this season, and he is tied for the lead in sacks for the Jets with two. Now, he is also on the injury report. He was listed as a limited participant in practice. If he is unable to play, that will be a huge, massive loss for the New York Jets. Now, as a whole, the Jets' defense is really void of any stars. There is literally no position on this team that I think is better than what the Dolphins will have lined up against them. And you guys know me. When it comes to the Dolphins having a tough match, uh, matchup, I will let you know. I'll be honest with you, and I'll tell you right now, this is not it. So we'll go over my expectations for this game. The first one is going to be that the secondary has another good game. Even with Flacco throwing, the Jets receiver group is subpar, and that is really, that's being generous. There will be a typical high dose of bubble screens that Gase likes to use, but assuming the Jets are playing catch-up, then I think there will be several opportunities for the Dolphins to capitalize on turnovers, and I'm expecting at least two interceptions for the Dolphins' secondary. My next expectation is that Miles Gaskin and Matt Breida both have the best games of the season so far. The Jets defense has struggled at stopping running backs, whether it's on the ground or in the passing game. Gaskin is heavily involved in both of those. The Jets have also surrendered the fifth most fantasy points to running backs. Uh, people have been saying that the running game is lacking in Miami, and I think that changes this week. The Jets defense is just a big play waiting to happen. I think both of these guys take advantage of it in this game. My last expectation is that I think Frank Gore has a solid game. You know, I'll lob a nice little positive here for the Jets. Gore will always be reliable. I think playing in his hometown will give him a little bit of an extra push this week. Miami's defense was improved last week, but still, they gave up nearly 10 yards per carry to Raheem Mostert. Until the Dolphins show that they can shut down the run, then I won't bet against a running back who plays against them. Now, to go into my keys to the victory, the first one's going to be don't miss tackles. The Jets don't have receivers that can beat the Dolphins' corners in a one-on-one. -on -one. They don't have a quarterback that can dice them up either. Adam Gase loves to throw these screens, and that will be an easy way for him to get the ball into his playmaker's hands like Jamison Crowder. So just keep the yards after a catch to a minimum, and I think the Jets' offense should struggle in this game. My next key to the victory is trust your playmakers. The Jets' secondary is a mismatch fest against the Dolphins' receivers. Whether it's Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, or Mike Kosicki, these guys are all really primed to have a really good performance if they're given these one-on-one -on -one chances. Football can be hard, you know, but sometimes your guys are just simply better than theirs. Just get them the ball. Now, my last key to the victory is don't beat yourself in this game. All the interviews leading up to this game suggest that the Dolphins are taking this matchup seriously despite the Jets 
Giants struggling this season. But nonetheless, you know, you cannot dismiss any opponent. This can't be a game with fumbles or muffed punts or senseless penalties or pick sixes. The Dolphins should be in a good position to win as long as they aren't beating themselves. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up this episode. As always, if you'd like to follow me, you can do so. That is at via the source or at Shady Steven or at both. If you really want to help me out, I would greatly appreciate that. And that would be awesome. If you have a YouTube account and you could subscribe to me, you can also search me up. It is also via the source. And I've been posting dolphin videos on there. That would be a huge help if you could do that. Or if you could leave a review on the Apple podcast app, let me know if you like it. If you have any questions, feel free to ask them or topics you want me to discuss. Guys, it was a pleasure to be your host though. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso and this was Via the Source.